Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and very distinguished listeners to Navigate with I.D. This is your business school on radio. Friends, it's such an enigmatic time and season, as you know. And so when we are talking about uh, dynamics of acquisition or mergers, it becomes even more interesting. So have you ever been part of an acquisition or a merger? Well, this is where we started uh, this week. And um, a big shout out to the guys who sent messages and um, actually, you know, uh, found this very useful. And I just want to, you know, appreciate you guys for reaching out. It's amazing that um, right now some people are actually going through the motions and it just feels like, you know, it was very uh, prophetic. But when you look at this whole uh, scenario of moving into a setting, either your company or business has been acquired or you're being merged with another. I did say to you that it can be as bad as a child going whose family is going through a divorce or they've gone through a divorce. It can be very tough for a young child that is just coming through. So what am I doing in this particular episode? What we were taking on as part of the unfolding package within the dynamics of acquisition or mergers is how you to learn, let's learn more how to keep your job. So how are you going to keep your job if you then go through an acquisition or you go through a merger? One thing is for sure that making a successful transition from a pre to post acquisition is an experience rich with learning. Though on the surface, it may seem like a survival exercise. You will not learn much. However, if you invest all your energy in just surviving, then you will then realize that there's some more or there's something more in the kitty. You will need to make the right connections with people in the new organization. And so that can be your only responsibility. Some people are masters in sub, you know, surviving mergers and acquisitions. But this particular skill or ability does not make you a leader. All it means is that you understand politics, you know how to keep your head down, and you know how to keep your head above the water. And like you're the guy who is able to sit in every situation and be everybody's man. The reality is that there's a lot more. So for you to stand in a place of growing as a leader after an acquisition or a merger, there are certain things you need to do. And this is the point in which I'll give credit to David Dulwich, James Noel, and Norman Welker. As I look at the different ways wherein you can possibly grow as a leader after an acquisition or a merger. The first thing to note is that you need to figure out 
the rules of engagement. And when you figure out these rules of engagement, you need to quickly start playing by those rules. It's called the spirit of adaptability. See, the rules of engagement in your new company, part of it is looking through the body language. There are some people that are so key in the organization. If care is not taken, you may just look at them as um, people that you may not you snub, but you snub them, it's at their own peril. So we are going to leave that other side, the political side. Let's come to the software. This soft side is where you need to build some skills because the rules of engagement are very essential things to not toy away with, but to start playing. As a leader, you need to transition from one set of rules to another. You must know. And this is really the McCoy itself. It's not only after mergers and acquisitions, but in all sorts of other leadership situations. Whether you are changing companies, that is, you have a new job, you're moving roles, you're going, you know, relocating, working in another country, adjusting to a new boss, maybe a new CEO, and so on and so forth. You must understand the new rules of engagement. But let's stick to the dynamics of acquisition or merger. After a merger or acquisition, your effectiveness is predicated on your ability to perceive what the new rules are all about, how resources are acquired, how short courts are taken, and how coalitions are formed. These very exemplary tips or action points form an observatory of sorts where you're going to draw. It's like a system. It's like a fountain where your water is flowing consistently and continually, but you have no idea how you're going to scoop yours or better still, what you need to do differently. So these rules may be quite different from what you have been used to. And that's why I said you need to be very observant. But it doesn't stop at observation. You need to ask questions. Why? Because you need to figure out what this new system is. I mean, you come from one bank that was swallowed by another bank. And then you get into that bank and you're keeping yourself like an ostrich buried in the sand. Oh boy, you won't last to. That because there are people in this other bank that are that were looking to that position that you were given. And so by the time you come over, by reason of an acquisition or a merger, and you are the better of the two, because remember I told you that whenever there is an acquisition or a or a merger, they are going to have a role in one role. They have two people. Sometimes you can have three. So what do they go for? The philosophy is called the best or the better of two. And with that philosophy, somebody has to take the job. And this is where you need to do more than just being observant. You need to ask questions. And when you ask questions, you're able to figure out the new system. The faster you are able to do this and incorporate what you learn into your standard operating procedures, the more successful you will be 
as a leader. The second thing you must consider in this whole space of surviving or thriving, maybe, you know, I don't like the word surviving. So let's say thriving after a major acquisition or merger is about remaining a strong leader despite your sense of vulnerability. You know, leaders have a big challenge. When a leader has actually either failed on a mission or something has happened that has taken some notches out of that leader's saddle, that leader may not be as confident as he used to be proud. So imagine a situation where there is an acquisition or a merger and this leader, rather than take or maintain the job he or she had as a chief, is taking a, a, a layer lower or a row lower. That is enough to destroy the self-esteem of a leader. And so that's my counsel that you need to remain a strong leader despite your sense of vulnerability. This is a very tough lesson for many leaders to learn. But an acquisition or merger is a powerful teacher. It will level you. It's just like the game of golf. Golf is a leveler. No matter who you are, that small ball will humble you. Many top executives, you know, that I've had the privilege to work with, have also told me that in the wake of these events, they feel like someone has taken away or taken away their company. Of course, they feel that way because they've invested so much time, so much of their resources, so much of their being. That's always the downside with this because when you check it, you're on the average, you'll probably be doing like 12 hours, 10 to 12 hours every day of your life. You've given that to a particular company and you spent 10 years, 12 years, 15 years at a senior level and then just from nowhere, another company comes to swallow it up. Do you think it's going to be an easy ride and then they say, oh, uh, these guys are bought us over. It's not that easy. So in the wake of all these events, senior executives that go through this uh, merger and acquisition type thing, they always have a challenge. Why? Because they feel that someone has taken away their company, that they have lost their identity. But then in the past, their identity their sense of competence, even their leadership values were directly derived from the company. Why? Because they were in charge. Why? Because also the company role was very clear. And so they took great pride in their company's reputation, market position, and culture. And their leadership style reflected the company's style. So imagine coming through with all of that and you need to shared all of that weight. It's almost like um, a bird being stripped of, stripped of his feathers. When a company changes overnight, that is virtual change overnight, both this identification and their self-confidence will immediately get eroded. So without their established identity, Many executives feel vulnerable and weak, even wounded. I don't know 
how to explain this, but it is important that as an executive or a senior leader, you must envelope yourself in a place where whatever happens outside does not impact you in any way. Part of that is for you to keep your head above water and ensure that you speak to the things that you require. What do I mean? Don't try to be smarter than you ever imagined. Remember, the observ- let your observatory be high, but ask questions. Learning to lead effectively with a wounded ego is a skill leaders need. You know your ego has been bruised because of the merger of acquisition, but you can still lead effectively. An important part of leadership development that is rarely taught in the classroom is the ability to manage one's ego in key situations. There are times when good leaders must recognize that a direct report's idea is better than their own. Your report doesn't have to always be the nicest and the best of it. Your thoughts are not meant to be the best thoughts. Everybody has some giftings. And some of these gifts, if they are not properly harnessed, there's going to be a problem down the road. There are times when good leaders must recognize that a direct report's idea is better than their own, that a customer's requirement supersedes their own, or when negative feedback from a peer or a set of peers are being given, then you must understand that something is knocking. In other words, they must demonstrate the strength of character even when they feel weak inside. And this passage facilitates the acquisition of this strength. So what is the third item that I would like you to make sure you put up um, if you want to grow as a leader after a major acquisition or merger of your company? You need to transcend the politics while focusing on the mission. That's an interesting one. Politics can be very distracting. Honestly, politics can be tremendously distracting. Although good leaders are aware of political situations and they know how to work effectively within them, they don't become so immersed in jockeying for position that they lose sight of their group or company objectives. Politics always accelerates after a major acquisition. Great leaders maintain their focus despite the political maneuvering. This is a good skill to have in that it's easy to become distracted from your mission by politics, even when no merger or acquisition has taken place. So politics can be a big distraction and your ability to understand how to manage it will be a good sell. In most companies, politics, the informal negotiation and exchange of power and influence to achieve what outcomes is a way of life. And the high-performing leaders don't exchange policies. They handle it with both integrity and what? Flexibility. So no matter what's happening around a good leader, loss of resources, removal of a key supporter, 
setback from a client or customer, consumer type thing, if she continues to drive towards her goal, there is something that will come by your way, by way of feedback or knowledge. Number four, you need to maintain an open mind. People are tempted to become defensive after their company is, is acquired. Before then, everybody just, mom, it is. We see this very often in coaching leaders through the acquisition process. Uh, there's this us versus them mentality. And that mentality needs to be, you know, washed off if you know what I'm saying. Because it can it actually destroy. So when you have the us versus them mentality and then it develops, and more than one leader thinks to himself or says to others, this is not as effective as the way we used to either do it or the way we used to say it. This is not as effective as the way we used to do things around here. It's natural to be close-minded initially. Your feelings of betrayal may become an impact or may have an impact on your perceptions. Slowly but surely, the post-merger environment provides you with opportunities to grasp that the new guys are not so bad. Many executives we have interviewed who have gone through this particular passage talk about what I call the aha moment. And that aha moment is one moment that occurs when they realize they have more in common with the new senior management and their culture than they realize. This can be a gradual realization or a sudden shocking one. Why? Because it helps them understand that they should not hold tight to assumptions that may prove to be invalid. Open-mindedness is a quality that leaders can develop in African settings. It's a quality. Open-mindedness. That's a quality that leaders can develop in other passages. But living through an acquisition or merger in itself accelerates the ability opening people up to other ways of running a business. And so I hope you're able to, you know, see through these four points that I've utilized as we step into the fifth one. The fifth one is creating a new network. Again, this is a skill that leaders can acquire in other passages. But after a company changes hands, the need for building a new network is critical. It is a different relationship building exercise from those in other countries, especially for leaders who have been at one company for years and for some reason, they've never experienced a merger or acquisition. So friends, becoming adept at internal networking is an increasingly important skill for leaders in virtual or metrics organizations.
when you rebuild a network, it is also necessary within a volatile business climate in which downsizing, right-sizing, resizing, and all manner of acquisitions are typical. Friends, I have worked with companies in which associates have lost their mentors and allies in a matter of months through downsizing or transformers, through downsizing or transfers, or when people resign to take other jobs. I've seen all of that happen. And when they, you know, when you have the mentors and allies uh, leaving through this un unusual shaking, it affects people psychologically. So it is in this context and it, that it is incumbent on leaders to find other sources of support and sponsorship. I know that, friends, this may just sound a bit uh, vague simply because not many of us are used to the world or dynamics of acquisition and measures. But it's one big piece that happens all the time, season upon season, season out of season. So let's sit in one space and ask ourselves one question. How prepared are you to manage the dynamics that you see, either in terms of the acquisition or the measure that has taken place. But then we'll take a case study and see how we can apply this case study straight up to this particular topic. And this, I am putting this as getting on board with one foot. And the word on this sits with an individual called Felix. Felix is a great example of someone who gradually learned these five lessons after his company merged, but he is also an example of someone who initially resisted these lessons because of the adversity he encountered in this passage. So, you see, this whole thing about different strokes for different folks, that's exactly what has played out. So let's look at how Felix has been able to morph through this from a case study standpoint. Felix had just been promoted to vice president of risk management when the board of his bank decided to merge with a larger financial institution. For 10 years, Felix had worked at this large bank in a variety of roles. The merger with the larger bank took place as part of the consolidation in the banking industry. Most banks created growth through acquisition of new franchises, geographies, and customers. And so Felix's company or bank had a strong culture. And he was proud of the company and his accomplishments within it during his tenure. He was one of a number of executives who were against the merger. Although at the end of the day, the board did not solicit his input. You know, there's always that. Uh, but politics and uh, mergers and acquisitions, they don't have a second. Now, by the time the deal was closed three months, um, in three months, over 1,000 people were fired from both banks. The majority from Felix's company. Felix survived, though three people in his 
team and his boss did not. New policies and procedures were introduced, most of which Felix didn't like. They seemed overly bureaucratic and process-oriented, even for someone in that particular area of specialization. Felix was even more disturbed, however, at feeling unappreciated. This is always what happened, as if he had to prove himself all over again. Remember I told you, whenever there is a merger and an acquisition, just know that you have to prove yourself over and over and over again. It may take you two to three years. So if you are in a setting where you know that a merger and acquisition is meant to happen, just take where you are and add two to three years. You will still be in that role for the next two to three years. And if you're coming with a tailwind of, say, five years, that means you might end up spending an additional three. Is that what you really want? If it's not what you would really want, the tendency is that people begin to get disoriented. And when they are disoriented, they just do whatever they like. Just like Felix, he was even more disturbed. However, the best part of it was the fact that he felt unappreciated. And that is a psychological effect that every one of us always deal with. Well, friends, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Let's pay some bills and we will continue from where we stopped. Don't go away. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, dear friends. It's still Navigate with ID. This is your business school on radio. Perhaps you're just joining us and uh, you're wondering what we are talking about. We are camped within the dynamics of an acquisition or merger. That is, the dynamics of acquisition or mergers has prompted us to get into a space where we are looking at what and how you need to survive should you have gone through this kind of challenge or if this kind of challenge is coming your way. And so in the last couple of minutes, I was talking about how to get on board with a foot in the door. And we are considering a case study via a character called Felix, who has actually, you know, just been promoted to the role of vice president of his function when the board of his bank decided to merge with a larger financial institution. And so coming straight to where we stopped in the last session, you'll find I was saying something about the fact that Felix was very disturbed and he felt unappreciated, as if he had to prove himself all over again. Yes, you have to prove yourself all over again. If care is not taken, you would actually go maybe two, three notches down. His opinions were not sought, and when he offered them, he felt that he had less credibility than those who had worked, you know, in the acquiring bank. But that's always what it is. You are the stranger. And so those that have acquired you will always be the ones that will turn around, call the shots, they know the rooms, they know the blogs, they know they know everything. And they know what kind of, um, what's it down, the thread that you're going to use as a tug. But nonetheless, Felix tried to fit in. Again, this 
is something that you must try to do, fit in. Felix attempted to go along with the consolidation changes, new strategies, though almost every night he would come home and complain to his partner about how the company wasn't like what it was. He was also talking to his old boss and they would spend most of their conversation complaining. That's the first thing that I want you to take out of your life. Stop being a murmurer. Stop murmuring. Because if you keep an open mind, you will note and you will see that somehow the things that you struggle for are the things that will be freely given. What do I mean? When you look at a situation where someone has come into a new company by reason of the M&A, which is merger and acquisition, he will find it difficult to fit in. Except, of course, the partner, that is, whoever is his body on the other side, uh, is willing to take him with a classic onboarding case. So onboarding is a good filter that allows people step into new terrains and still have wings to fly. Otherwise, they'll be cut short. Now, what is the natural thing that should happen to Felix? He decided to take a coach. And in the initial meeting, the coach told him he was contemplating that he would be resigning. That was that he, Felix told the coach he would be resigning. His coach, however, after listening to his complaints and sharing his knowledge of the bank and its management group, suggested that Felix might want to give it a little more time. And so when you buy time, the clock will be ticking, tick-tock, tick-tock, but it will be so slow. But that time that you would want time not to flow so fast would always come at you. So it took another month before Felix could have his feelings of alienation and betrayal dissipate. Took just a month. Now, one of the projects he was working on went well, and he received several public compliments from his office, from his colleagues. He did not know well in advance what this acquiring bank had to offer. So as a result, they would always invite him to serve on an integration team, working on a vision for the merge company, you know, all manner of stuff. All because Felix began the process of contributing to the new organization in a substantial way and found the evolving vision created in the project team to be insightful. Not all that different from how he viewed the organization's future. So when you look at the life of this gentleman called Felix, and then later on, he was found to know other executives from his former place, and then at the same time was asked to maintain his focus on the company's mission. So how, how do you imagine this? You go for an M&A, a merger and acquisition talk, uh, or Measure or acquisition, and somewhere in the 
you know, you are found to be a notable figure. And now you've got into the space where you need to check out. So how much time would you need to check out from such a place? Within a year, you should have reestablished yourself with solid performance and output. That's exactly what Felix had to do. And he began to trust a new network of peers and fellow executives. This is a big ticket item. Re-establishing yourself takes a while because folks are used to seeing other things except you. So if you don't re-establish yourself with solid performance and output and then beginning to trust a new network of peers and fellow executives, you're heading for the way down. Now, this scenario repeats itself in every major or acquisition, and the key component is development of trust. Effective leaders learn to develop trust quickly and even trust others before they have earned it, especially since many companies today in our climb operate virtually or they continually reorganize. So creating trust requires a positive attitude about other people, and there is no better place to learn the critical leadership skills than in the midst of what? A merger. A merger is a very critical space that can come through in building your skills. So let's look at something about growing. You know, when you are coming through a system where you know, there's been a process check, a process alignment, and everybody now says you have the job, and then you are now to perform in another company from your own company, you need to grow because growth is a permanent feature that happens with, um, <laughs> I wanted to say, with living beings and living things. So to maximize your leadership development in this passage, you need to combine some practical steps with some soul searching. So let's look at how you can do that. Number one, you must determine if you should remain with the new company. That's a tough question. This means not reacting too quickly to impose changes. You need instead to objectively assess whether the new entity whether its values truly clash with something you hold very dear and important. If, for instance, you value straightforward and confrontational communication and the new culture embodies passive, indirect consensus, your leadership talents may not value or be valued within that context. So beginning to unlock may be the best option it is difficult to grow as a leader and obtain the commitment of your team in a culture whose values you disavow. Your anger at how the company operates the wheel will stand in the way of learning about your own effectiveness. So be sure, though, that it is the company's values you are at odds with rather than those of the new boss. Because sometimes, you just find that there's 
some camaraderie that just allows people to do what they want to do without understanding that the values are very, very key and values shape your future. Values would always help you position in a space where you were once rejected. So in the majority of situations, you will find the correspondence between your values and those of a new entity discovering this correspondence will make it easier for you to make the transition and focus on your new job. Your commitment has to be real, friends. If it can't be real, why would you want to spend your life doing that if it can't be real at work? Why would you spend more time at work than you do at home? These are questions that we can, of necessity, look through in the course of our speaking to this beautiful topic that has to do with the dynamics of what? Acquisition and mergers. So there is a point here that I'd like to share, and that has to do with work. So what is this about work? You must work at assessing and expressing how you feel about the merger or acquisition. In other words, don't try to be tough or don't try to tough it out and keep all your disappointments and animosity bottled up right inside. Yes, after a merger took place, some executives still lament the event and wistfully describe the old organizations in glowing terms, stuck in the past, old school. They remain close to new information and ideas and fail to embrace the diversity of experience that enhances their leadership. So, friends, you must be honest with yourself and with at least one trusted advisor about your perspective on the merger or acquisition. If you fear that it means the end of your career or that you wasted the last 10 years, just acknowledge this fear and make it explicit. The sooner you do, the faster you free yourself to take advantage of whatever opportunities exist in the post-merger environment. And so let's look at another bullet here. And that has to do with reconnecting to the company. We have talked about this earlier as a learning, but it's not something that you will learn if you approach it passively. Why is it that people don't like reconnecting with the company? Coach executives working in a merged company to move their immediate boss and develop a broader network. That is an assignment they give to the top. But to build an influenced network, leaders need to put in a certain amount of personal time with people at different levels and in different areas to forge real relationships. This doesn't happen overnight, nor does it happen without a certain amount of awkwardness. You may think you are old or too old, or you become a veteran to be engaged in networking. 
You need to have everything. People also complain. I worked for years to establish my network. And what good has it done for me? This is precisely the point. You need to be skilled and not just building one network, but in rebuilding it and updating it, leaders must be adept at connecting and reconnecting with people in a continuously changing environment. Okay, let's talk about another item uh, needed for this uh, transition. Keep the lines of communication open with your direct reports. At a minimum, effective leadership is focusing on the needs of your followers and your team is as affected by the measure of acquisition as you are. Leadership requires helping them with the transition. Just as your boss helps you with it. So focusing on the requirements of your team members will actually help develop your commitment to the new company. Talk to them, listen to them, keep them informed, and address their concerns. It's very, I mean, so very easy to track. Talk to them, listen to them, keep them informed, and address their concerns. They need your support and they need your intervention and you need their support to accomplish the new goals that are required to to merge in this post-acquisition period. You know, this whole thing about acquisition and measures can serve as a bit of a bore, but it is very theoretical and very serious. This is the basis and this is the foundation of any piece you will pick up from any part and you wonder, how didn't I see this post-acquisition period? Was it meant for you to see? Okay, friends. Okay, so let's look at another serious um, point, which is your patience, being patient. Patience is indeed a virtue, especially today. Action-oriented, driven leaders are frequently quick to react to events. They form opinions and launch initiatives in response to new stimuli. So in the wake of an acquisition or merger, patience may be the best strategy for adaptation. In fact, mergers take months or even years to achieve stability. For a leader, it takes time to learn the ropes to make the connections, to appreciate the new people with whom you are going to be working. You can't charge forward as you may have done in the past. And this can be very frustrating. At the same time, it teaches you that waiting, observing, discussing, and thinking can yield very positive results. So after a merger, you have to develop other approaches to working and leading, at least for a while. And this process can be beneficial. But many of you, once they bring the white and blend it together, everybody just forgets any other person. And so after a measure, you have to develop other approaches to working and leading, at least for a while. 
and this process can be beneficial, especially if you've always made snap decisions just like that and generally being a perpetual motion executive. A little patience, a little patience goes a long way in helping you deal more precisely and effectively with direct reports as well as in assessing situations with better and greater objectivity. Friends, doing well after the fact is a bigger challenge than even starting. What do I mean? When you go through an acquisition or a merger, if you don't have the scope of what you want out of it sorted, you'll be in the trenches fighting, whereas some other person has actually launched a new pathway. And why am I going this path is because most leaders respond negatively to news of a merger or acquisition. The key to learning in this particular space that we carry is moving beyond the initial negative reaction and being alert for career and educational opportunities. The other company involved in the transaction is involved because the combination offers unique value to customers, direct clients, and shareholders. The acquiring company is almost every case is buying talent along with brand, technology, market share, products, and services. Recognizing that you are part of the asset being produced may help you reframe your own perceptions. I do it. So remember, remember, they may offer you more opportunities to develop than your old organization. So obviously the combined entity is bigger, but there may be many more hidden assets. Who are those? Those not readily apparent. The intelligent people, new ways of doing things, creative ideas, child-oriented leaders, performance culture, and visionary thinkers, to name just a few. They may be in a position or even in a better market position. They may have better training programs. They may have more overseas positions. They may have a culture or strategy that is well suited to the way you lead and manage. Many leaders we have coached during mergers observed much later that not only did they join a better company, but they became a better leader in the process. Why? Because the hands that rock the cradle rules the world. Equally important, this passage plays itself out when leaders acquire another company. In fact, the personal aspects of leading a merged entity can be even more challenging than the demands of being acquired. Leaders especially must keep their egos in check, listen openly, and learn to trust new people who are now looking for them. They must be careful not to revert to established ways of doing things because I'm in charge here now, or you know, the speed demands it. These guys just don't get it, or even worse, we have won. That ability to objectively choose the best 
people, build a team, establish a vision, choose the best, build a team, establish a vision, and gain the trust of others whose leadership skills are acquired in acquiring others. Keep our opening analogy in mind when trying to process your feelings about the acquisition or merger. Going through a divorce is tough, but as but as hurt and abandoned as you might feel, and be aware that your new step-parent might be a good person who could actually help you grow in ways not even possible in your old family. So there's something nice, there's something good, there's something to look out for when you go through an acquisition or a merger. All you need to do is stay focused on the real issues and definitely, I can guarantee you that you eat the good of the land. Friends, uh, it's, uh, we are at that point. And so thank you so much for listening. My contact is at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G. That's my timeline on social media. If you have any questions, just pop a DM and we'll get it sorted. Thank you for listening and goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID. 